Coming up on this week's episode of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast, Elon Musk makes good on his promise to announce the European Gigafactory location before the end of the year. More details emerge about the Cybertruck, what the new 118th scale die-cast Roadster model might teach us about the real car, and more. What's happening, my friends? I'm Ryan McCaffrey. Welcome to episode 224 of Ride the Lightning, the weekly Tesla unofficial podcast. This one for November 17th, 2019. And that means on next on the next episode of this show, we will all know what the Cybertruck looks like. I'll be able to tell you all about it because thankfully, I am very grateful to have received an invitation to the event which I was lucky enough to to click on right away and get RSVP'd and get confirmed before it uh, seemingly very quickly went to a waitlist situation. So I'm in. I'm super stoked. I'm very glad I'd I'd booked travel ahead of time because once again Tesla leaving it to uh, a little bit of the last minute to send out those invites. But it is going to be super fun, you know. And and what's Although what I have to remind myself is there's no guarantee that I'm going to like the look of this thing. Elon himself said, not everybody's going to like it. It's not for everyone. It's very out there. But I'm just, you know, because it's going to be so different one way or another, I'm very excited to see it. So I will have a firsthand report for you on next week's podcast that will hopefully include a test ride traditionally at the these unveiling events. Uh, when you walk in the door, you get a, a badge. They can, you know, they check your name off the list, and and they hand you a an event badge to wear around your neck, and that's got a number on it, and that's your test ride number. And they they cycle through people, so you know they're it's what three four people at a time get a ride, and they give you a quick you know sixty second lap or so around the 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 street uh, next to the design center there. And then, uh, and yeah, you get to actually experience it. So I was lucky enough to get that with the three and with the Y. And so here we go. The Cybertruck is coming in one week's time as far as its unveil. Now, its real name, by the way, apparently is Cybertruck. As I had guessed after Elon started repeatedly referring to it that way, because the sleuths on the Tesla Motors Club forum, tip of the cap to them, the sleuths over there found the trademark application for it complete with a very, I think, super cool cyberpunk-looking typography logo. Now, I worked in magazines for almost 10 years, so I'm a little, uh, call it extra uh, sensitive to to fonts and and kerning and letting and typography. And, uh, you know, I, I when I see a font I like, I really like it. And this, this uh, cyberpunk... The Cybertruck font that they've got going on is definitely super cool. Uh, and and get this, the 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 spelling of Cybertruck is even very cyberpunk. The logo, again, it's very very distinctive. I, I can't wait for you to see it. Is so they're spelling it C Y B R T R K. So they are omitting a couple vowels there, just going very unique. Which of course will make it very SEO friendly when you type that into to any any search engine. 
So I'm sure that may have factored into things as well. But um, now <laughs> I couldn't help but think I would not be surprised at all knowing Elon Musk's sense of humor if at some point in the not too distant future, Tesla starts selling t-shirts in their online store that say, wanna cyber, C-Y-B-R, using this distinctive cool new font they've got going on. So uh, we'll see about that. But yes, one week's time, well, less than one week's time, the Cybertruck will be revealed, and I absolutely can't wait to see it. Now, just a couple of other quick notes before I get to the proper news for the week. The Roadster 118th scale die-cast model became available on the Tesla shop online very unexpectedly, just out of nowhere, a 118th scale. Now, they've got this for uh, just about, I think, all of the other cars. There's one for the S, there's one for the X, there's one for the 3. And they're they're basically grown-up toys, meaning they're not toys. You look at them. And they're a little bigger, a little, little, little heavier, and uh, definitely higher quality. So the Roadster one is $250, and uh, uh, I was very tempted by it. But I thought, boy, the holidays are coming up. <laughs> I should just wait. I shouldn't do this. But then I remembered for uh, members of official members of official Tesla owners clubs, you get a one time per year, 20% off discount off of one thing in the, of lifestyle and apparel, not car stuff. So t-shirts, that kind of thing. And I thought, hmm, well, maybe that applies to this $250 die-cast model Roadster because that would take it down to 200 bucks. Still expensive, but you know what? It's a deal. I, I can treat myself once. Sure enough, it worked. I ordered it. It arrived. And uh, I have to tell you, this thing is beautiful. So uh, the, the reason I wanted to bring this up is not only to make you aware that it exists, if it's, uh, you know, maybe you have a, uh, you maybe you want to treat yourself or maybe that you uh, are your spouse or significant other would really appreciate this. Maybe it'll make a gift, a great gift for somebody in your life. Uh, but what I actually wanted to talk about with it is, first of all, the attention to detail. The attention to detail on this model, I've got it in my hand right now, it is astounding. First of all, the red paint job on it is, if not an exact match to the prototype, it's a, it's a near exact match. It's a beautiful red paint job. It's got little actual fabric seat belts that are, they're so, they're, they're way back there. You can't even actually get to them with your finger because the, the seats are in the way. But they're there, and they're perfect, and they're like even the little the little belt buckles are on there, the seat belt buckles. Uh, that's pretty cool. And also, here's the other thing: because the model is a direct representation of the real car, according to the there is a certificate of authenticity that comes with it in the box that says it's it's used. You know, it was built using the same CAD models as the real car. So it's it's pretty you know exact as far as the details and the obviously other than the scale, it uh, you I, I was able to learn a couple of new things about the next generation Roadster because of this model. First of all, uh, the plus two rear seats that are going to be in the non SpaceX package version because if you remember the SpaceX if you get the SpaceX package, Elon said there will be no plus two back seat because the COPV tanks will be there instead. But the plus two rear seats fold down 
So that's pretty cool. So give you a little, uh, if you've got something extra long to put in the, the trunk back there, which by the way is a full, it's a hatchback. It's a, it's a very wide opening hatchback. Let me flip it open here right now. There it goes. Yeah, it's a, it's a good size hatchback opening. It, it opens all the way to the roof line from the, from the back of the car, just like an S or an X or a Y. And uh, the, if you, you know, something extra long that fits back there is the glass roof, the convertible, the, the removable glass roof. It would appear that the removable roof, which Elon said stows in the, in the trunk, in the storage area, if you, you know, want to, want to have it off, it would appear that the uh, seats need to be folded down in order to accommodate the removable glass roof, which is a little bit of a disappointment. So it's like, if you've got more than two people in the car, you're going to have to have the top on, or I guess you could leave the removable glass roof at home somewhere. But, you know, I don't quote me on that. Maybe there'll be some sort of like custom rack or something built into the car, or maybe you can still have those back seats up. But in any case, I thought that was pretty interesting. And then the other thing that you can kind of see, you can see in this is that uh, while the trunk opening is large with that hatchback, the trunk space appears to be fairly shallow. There does not appear to be a lot of depth to, to the cargo space. Now, there's, it's possible there could be a, a, a trunk well down there like, like the other three Teslas have that's not rendered in this, uh, I'm not sure. But there's also, you know, on, at least on the prototype, there's no frunk. So, you know, Elon said it's gonna be a quote unquote real car where you could put bags in it and, and go anywhere and, and actually have storage. It looks like storage is gonna be reasonably limited, which is okay, it's a supercar. That's, it's, that's, that's to be expected. It'll probably still have more space than an internal combustion engine supercar does as far as cargo does. But in any case, uh, it's, it's a beautiful, beautiful model and I, it's now living on my desk and I, I can now look at it, it's right in front of me as I'm recording the podcast each week and it, it brings me joy to look at. It's a, are there, much better things I could have spent a couple hundred bucks on. Well, sure, but this, it does bring me joy. I'm happy to have it. So uh, there is that. And in fact, if you want to see more of it, uh, you can either, I, I put up a picture and a quick little video on my Instagram, which is DMC underscore Ryan, or I actually made a an unboxing video. I had my wife uh, kindly hold my phone camera and uh, just just shot. I it, it was my actual unboxing. Like I hadn't, You'll, you will see my initial reaction to the thing as I take it out of the box for the first time. So that's on my YouTube page if you would like to see that. One more quick follow-up before I get to the rest of the news a, uh, from last week. So if you decide to put in a larger USB capacity than 32 gigabytes, so like I was talking about the, the setup that uh, listener Jake Keenholtz recommended of getting that, you know, that particular... You know, USB adapter that where you can put in a micro SD card. So I I got that installed. It's working great. Very happy with it. In fact, I pulled the the card the the stick out today to look at some footage because I had a this guy. It was basically a road range incident. This guy. I'm not going to waste your time telling you about it. But um, so I was like, let me look at the footage of this. And there's <laughs> I've still got just a hundred and something gigabytes left on the card before it even fills up. So, but anyway, uh, the reason I bring this up is 
it's you need the Tesla cam will only work in a FAT32 format. And if you have no idea what that is, it's just sort of the file storage format. It's just the way the the the, the USB stick needs to be formatted or USB stick or whatever you're you're using in there. So you will need to manually, uh, meaning probably use a third-party app, which is what I did, you will need to convert uh, something larger than 32 gigabytes into a FAT32 setup because things larger than... Uh, FAT32 will will just doesn't inherently go past 32. You have to kind of trick it or more or less hack it into doing so. So I would just suggest uh, Google it. If you, you know, if you're having any trouble, just Google how to... How to uh, format a, you know, call it 128 gig drive, whatever you get, how to format 128 gig uh, drive into FAT32, and you'll find easy, easy uh, solutions for that. So with that, lots more to get to this week. Let's start with the big news. Model 3 won a, a big prize in Germany, German car magazine Autobild, their Golden Steering Award for Best Midsize Car of the Year. So this is this is an American car going into Germany and beating the, everybody. BMW, Audi, Mercedes. So Elon showed up in person to accept the award. Uh, and I thought I would play that clip for you. This is, this is most of his presentation. I've just omitted a little bit of, of kind of fluff at the end. But take a listen to what Elon has to say when accepting the Golden Steering Wheel Award from they, they put basically they set up a whole show. So you're going to hear a couple of hosts, German hosts, presenters, and then you will hear Elon. So take a listen to this. So um, the Tesla Model 3 maybe is um, the biggest surprise in our test field. The jury thinks the Tesla Model 3 is cool. But, of course, you, you get no points for just being cool. <laughs> <laughs> you do. So, so therefore, um, the Tesla Model 3 scores for agility, for the equipment, and for its uh, low cost of ownership. And, as you already said, overall, the Tesla Model 3 collects more points than any other finalist. So, congratulations. Thank you. No wonder for you. Thank <laughs> <laughs> you. Well, th thank you for this award. On behalf of the people of Tesla, we worked really hard to make the Model 3. I thank you for this award. It was great. Um, and uh, I actually have an, an, an announcement, uh, which I think will be hopefully well-received, uh, that we've decided to put uh, the Tesla Gigafactory uh, Europe uh, in the Berlin area. Yeah. That's the news. That's the news. So you come up with this news tonight. This is yeah, great. So we'll see you more often here in Berlin. Yeah, I come to Berlin a lot. Will you come then by the Berlin slow, slow old-fashioned like plane or by Hyperloop? I love Berlin. Yeah. Yeah. Do you great. come by? But you, when will you ever? When will you come by Hyperloop? I mean, this might happen. <laughs> might come by a rocket. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you you were here. I think in 2014, uh, uh, achieving the uh, the golden steering wheel for lifetime achievement. Then you came back for Model uh, X, and you promised to come back when Model Three uh, is going to uh, yes. have an award. What will you promise this time? I mean, if you I, I, if you <laughs> keep giving, you know, I mean, here, here's the irony: in the future, there may not be a steering wheel. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we talked about that already. <laughs> 
Yeah. What will there be? I don't know. Tell us. What I mean, we have to design it. Tell us. What, what's your vision? Uh, I don't know. Like a hologram or something. <laughs> the golden hologram. Okay. Yeah. For like the AI that's driving the car. <laughs> okay. Yeah. We'll seriously. try to visualize that. Yeah. Let's yeah. throw in a hologram. Yeah, Wonderful. Right. It's great to have you here. <laughs> and uh, uh, a good chance also uh, to talk with you a little bit more. Um, ich darf mich von uh, dir verabschieden. Vielen Dank, Herr Hornig. Aber jetzt wollen wir nochmal auf die Bühne bitten. Herbert Dies natürlich, Vorstandsvorsitzender von VW, ist heute Abend bei uns. Und Tom Drexler wird die Gelegenheit nutzen, einen kleinen Talk mit euch okay. zu machen. There's a little chit-chat-talk with the, hey, with the boys. Herbert, hier. So, you know each other very well, we know. And you meet each other sometimes in California, I think. What are you doing when you meet, you both? Telling stories about electric mobility, driving cars, testing, drinking. <laughs> What are you doing? All those we things, we I mean, of course. <laughs> uh, we, we party like rock stars, it's crazy. Party <laughs> <laughs> yeah. like rock stars. Uh, but we talk like about cars, you know, yeah. and the future Because, cars. Yeah, Herbert is pushing the Volkswagen Group into electromobility, very, very hard. And um, the ID3 is not here this year, maybe next year. Um, are you inspired by uh, Elon, or is there no alternative for this new uh, engine? Yeah, first of all, I really I wanted to congratulate you. Great achievement. Now with all this uh, competition here in Germany, winning this award, I think it's a great achievement. Uh, we know each other. We, we don't meet so often. No, uh, it's, uh, we know each other since uh, a few years. And I would say that we share a vision, yeah, which is that we only can achieve uh, the CO2 targets and reduce uh, carbon emissions through electric cars. And uh, we also share a vision that the car becomes really an internet device, always can connect it, always online. The car becomes really, really safe and uh, uh, totally environmentally friendly. And from time to time, yes, uh, we meet uh, because I think it's, it's nice to follow up. I have to say I really, I, um, yeah, I thank you for pioneering, for pulling us, for pushing us. Uh, I think Elon is really the innovator which is uh, driving us along and uh, Uh, so it's worthwhile to talk about batteries, uh, the right concepts, and I always enjoy talking to him because uh, uh, he's really a very visionary. Okay. Uh, but what's the main problem, Elon, in Germany with the e-mobility and in Europe? Why, why is in, in Germany so, why we are so far behind? Ten years, maybe, eight years, five years? What do I say? Well, first of all, I, I don't think Germany is that far behind. Okay. Um, you know, Uh, the, but I, I think it's always difficult when, uh, you know, the, there's a lot of momentum around uh, an old technology. Uh, there's just a lot of infrastructure, a lot of uh, capital, and that kind of thing that's tied up in the uh, the older technology. Um, and uh, when this, when you have a new technology, the market is unproven. So then you say, like, okay, should, is, does it really make sense to place a bet on this technology that's unproven? You know, and when we started out at Tesla, everyone thought we were huge fools. I thought we were fools too, frankly, you know. Um, but, you know, it was, I thought it was important to get to ultimately a sustainable energy future. Um, and even if you discount the environmental uh, situation, eventually we will run out of uh, oil 
You know, it's a finite resource. Uh, you know, you can't recycle oil. It's not a recyclable thing. It's going to a lower energy state. So um, my, my original interest in electric cars, which goes back to almost high school, uh, was really, from a physics standpoint, uh, we have to have something that uh, is long-term sustainable from an economic standpoint. Um, I thought this before the environmental consequences uh, became uh, more serious. Okay. And you? What is the problem? We have the minister here, so... No, I, think, yeah, I think this, this evening is very important because you now see electric cars really competitive, no? Uh, yeah. winning, winning the, uh, I would say, an open uh, competition, uh, which shows that it's feasible. And Tesla is, is uh, that's why Tesla, I think, is very important for us because uh, Elon is demonstrating that it works. No? Elon's customers, they like the cars, uh, uh, also the jury loves the cars, the performance of the cars. It's fun, no? It's not something where we should be fearful or so. Electric mobility is great fun. It's great style. No, it's cool. Uh, the cars becoming really not less emotional. I think cars becoming more emotional is what is coming. And I think we also, we are, uh, I'm, I'm happy that Elon is, is uh, let's say, pulling us. Uh, but I think the German industry is really now uh, uh, strongly investing. And uh, we will keep you uh, yeah, alert. Yeah? <laughs> <laughs> okay. No, I think I, Germany makes great cars, uh, for sure. You know, it's really some of the best cars in the world, obviously, are made in Germany. Everyone knows that German engineering is outstanding, for sure. Um, and, uh, you know, that, that's uh, you know, part of the reason why we are locating our Gigafactory Europe in, in Germany. Uh, but we're also going to create an engineering and design center in Berlin, because uh, I think Berlin has some of the best art in the world. And you uh, can, tell, can you tell us a little bit more about the factory? Where it is exactly or something? Um, I, that, you know, there's not enough time tonight to tell all the details. <laughs> I think um, it's the right time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's, um, it's, it's uh, in the Berlin area and it's, it's near the new airport. Okay. Yeah. Yes, okay. Uh, and it's easy. You can, you can yeah, maybe you are faster than the airport. Maybe. <laughs> I didn't so, ask him. I was worried about that, actually. Uh, yeah. when, the, when people, I was like, okay. we definitely need to move faster than the airport, that's for sure. Um, okay. So there you have it. Gigafactory 4 will be in or near Berlin, uh, over by the airport, which apparently, I've just learned this week, is a super long-term project that still isn't done. I guess kind of like uh, over here in America, how Boston's Big Dig was a, a notorious boondoggle for many, many years. Elon added later on Twitter, by the way, that Tesla, quote, will build batteries, powertrains, and vehicles starting with Model Y in Gigafactory 4. And so uh, in addition to this, Tesla will also open an engineering and design center in Berlin. Both, of course, can capitalize on just the massive amount of automotive talent in the country, which... Again, that's exactly what I cited when I had previously said not too long ago that I had hoped and thought that Germany might be the front runner for this uh, the last time that this had come up. But I've I've read a lot already about this, and you know a lot of a lot of articles I'm seeing a lot of takes are well, you know Elon's a showman and he chose Germany in part as a way to serve notice to the German auto industry right in their own backyard, and you know personally. While I, of course, don't have Elon Musk here to ask him directly, 
I honestly don't believe that's the case. I think that makes for good copy, to use an old old magazine or newspaper term, but um, to me, Elon is a guy I've seen over the years now. He thinks very practically about the mission of Tesla at all times, all times, on the air, off the air, at award shows, on anywhere, you know, all the time. I think he sees Germany as centrally located in Europe. I think he sees it as a major hub of talent from all walks of automotive life, from engineering to design to manufacturing and assembly. And I think that this is what makes the most sense for Tesla in order to help advance the mission, Germany and Berlin. So that, I think, is why the choice was made. Now, some additional details have come our way thanks to some reporting from Tagesspiegel in Germany. And I want to thank Tesla Motors Reddit user Katze Zona. That's a, that's a fairly German username for the summary and translation here, who says that Gigafactory 4 will be located in Brandenburg, uh, which is sort of the state around Berlin. Uh, it is, and it is rumored to be in in Grünheide. See, this this is <laughs> this is a real test of my high school and college German right here. I hope to I hope I'm not offending my German listeners. I hope I'm I'm hanging in there okay on the pronunciation. But uh, anyway, it's the uh, southeast of Berlin, on an area which was previously in talks for a BMW factory at one point. The uh, the paper the, the the publication reports that. About 7,000 new jobs will be created as a result of Gigafactory 4, and that uh, physically, GF4 will be about the same size as Gigafactory 3 in Shanghai and will aim to produce up to 150,000 cars per year as it ramps up. So um, once they get up to about, this is what I started thinking about now, the sum total of Tesla now, because Tesla's officially now a global enterprise on a, on a manufacturing basis, not just on a sales basis. Once, once Tesla gets up to about 700,000 cars per year out of Fremont, which should occur once the Model Y is fully ramped up, you can then add in another 150,000 a year from Gigafactory 3 and another 150,000 a year from Gigafactory 4 once that gets spun up. And so around 2022 or so, maybe 2023, you will have 1 million cars per year total, unless they find a way to get to it sooner. But you are, there is a clear path to 1 million cars per year produced and sold by Tesla. And by the way, that's not including the what is probably in the grand scheme of things going to be a relative handful of Tesla semis and next generation roadsters that they're going to build each year as well. And I'm also not at all factoring in the Cybertruck, which could end up being a pretty darn big seller in uh, specifically here in the United States. So the point of this is to say, and you guys know me, I, I'm, I think it's important from time to time. And I also like to just, just take that 10,000 foot view, just pull back you know, a lot of us, all of us, many of us, I guess I can't speak for anybody but myself. All right, I, in life, I tend to, to get very focused a lot of times on what's going on right now, what's right in front of me, what's this week, what's this weekend look like. I think it's really important from time to time to just pull back. 
well, what about the bigger picture? What, how are things, you know, what are the goals? What are the bigger picture goals? What's going on? And I really like to apply that lesson to Tesla as well. When I'm doing this podcast and, and covering Tesla and studying Tesla, and my whole spiel is simply to say that I really believe when you, when you look at this picture now that is forming, that the Tesla story has only just begun. It may not feel like it, particularly if you've been an owner for a while. You know, I've got a, a no doubt a lot of you, have, I, I know now I've got some Roadster owner uh, listeners out there, probably some longtime Model S owner listeners out there. But it, if the, the point is, nevertheless, it's the automotive chapter, the, the, the history in the history book uh, that, that will feature Tesla, Tesla's chapter in that book, it's really, it's only just begun to be written. I mean, this, we are still at the beginning of all this and it is just so much fun to be a part of and to watch and to chronicle and to follow along with and to root for. It's just great. I, I'm having a ball with this. And as I said, I think on last week's show, it, the next year is going to be so much fun to do this podcast and to cover Tesla and to be a fan of Tesla. We're only just getting started. The good news kept flowing this week. The Model 3 is getting updated EPA mileage ratings for the year 2020. And that begins with the standard range plus, which is officially rated by the EPA at the same 250 miles now that Tesla had recently advertised it being upgraded to. Uh, and here's the here's the really cool part. That th- those efficiency tweaks that led to that range boost to get it to 250 means the uh, efficient the overall efficiency of the standard range plus model 3 makes it now the highest ever the most efficient car on the road 141 miles per gallon equivalent which beats out the Hyundai Ionic which is so just a tip of the cap to Tesla and the Tesla team they've continued to evolve the cars uh, oftentimes not even through hardware through software which is just wild the if you're curious now the rest of the lineup the regular standard range model 3 still rated at 220 miles uh, and by the way both of those ratings are on 18 inch aero wheels as you had probably imagined the <laughs> the peak efficiency would come the dual motor long range by the way if you're curious now rated with those same 18 inch aero wheels at 322 miles very impressive there on the 19 inch sport wheels 304 miles and the performance model 3 its new epa rated range with its 20 inch wheels now rated at 299 miles of range and what i found interesting about uh, the epa data i can certainly corroborate it because the epa bases that calculation they they have uh, they cite the, the performance model 3 is 298 watt hours per mile combined city highway driving and my lifetime watt hours per mile after just about actually by the time you hear this 15,000 miles i'm at 299 lifetime so the the epa you can there seem like pretty accurate ratings which is what they should be <laughs> you would want you would hope and want them to be accurate so uh honestly you know, all these changes, what I, I like them because 
even though my car was quote-unquote officially downgraded from 310 miles to 299, it never got 310. It's, it's, it's impossible to get 310 miles uh, on a single charge out of a performance Model 3 running on 20-inch wheels unless you're hyper-miling, you know, unless you're, you're taking extreme <laughs> measures, which you can, but it, it, generally speaking, it just can't be done. So uh, I really appreciate that all these changes... Uh, from the EPA ranges are are now more realistic, and I think it's really it's it's a good thing for consumers who are trying to decide which Model Three is right for them. Um, although that said, I want to get on Tesla's case just a little bit here constructively to say that uh, Tesla has as of yet not reflected these lower numbers, at least for the performance version. It is not yet reflected on the Tesla Design Studio website. So uh, again, when I bought mine, I knew there was no way that I was going to be getting those 310 miles because I knew the 20-inch wheels would be would be an efficiency hit. But I w- hopefully now, uh, very soon, that will actually be reflected on the website so that it is again just more um, you know just more honest with uh with everybody else there so that is that and let's move on to the last bit of news i wanted to tell you about this week before we move on to your phone calls in the ride the lightning hotline the final chunk of results from bloomberg's 5,000 owner model 3 survey are in and i want to just share some of the highlights with you courtesy of bloomberg reporter tom randall who uh, had a big hand in putting all this together the top cars Traded in for a Model 3. You've heard Elon address this before, but this is now coming from third-party data, Bloomberg's uh, customer surveys. The Prius, which is one that Elon had cited. The BMW 3 Series. The Honda Accord. The Honda Civic. And the Nissan Leaf. So the Leaf, uh, a little surprising, I guess, just in the sense that, you know, going from an electric to another electric, I suppose that was... You know, it's a lot of Leaf owners, probably the first-gen Leaf owners, where the range was very short on those cars. The the second-gen Leaf that I think has much improved aesthetics, number one, but also, more critically, much uh, much more range than the first-generation car. Uh, I'm imagining that a lot of those Leaf trade-ins are probably Gen 1 Leaves. The survey noted that BMW was hit the hardest, which they attributed to te- to, the, to the fact that the Model 3 is a performance sedan, and a performance sedan, that, that's exactly BMW's MO. So people that would have otherwise been attracted to BMW, uh, pardon me, BMW jumped ship to Tesla more so than, than other brands that Tesla pulled customers from. Elsewhere in the Bloomberg survey, Almost 99% of Model 3 owners said they would recommend one to their friends or family. And according to Bloomberg, many of them already have, Tom Randall noting. In follow-up calls with a dozen survey respondents, every owner we talked to described taking friends or family members on test drives. And you want to know what I love about that? There's one, three words, every single one. So, yes, I acknowledge it's a small sample size, a dozen follow-ups, 12 people you pick up the phone and talk to. But the fact that 
literally all 12 of them, every single one of them had taken people on test drives is to me, it just, again, it speaks to how good the car is and how fun, how fun the car is. So that's, that's a really interesting, uh, and I think very telling piece of data from, uh, from that survey. And finally, this I found very interesting. Almost half of Model 3s sold are the dual motor long range cars. Not the performance, just the, the, the regular long range dual motor. 37% are standard range plus, and 24% are performance Model 3s. Again, that's in this survey, so that is a sample. Now, I personally would not have guessed that the P3Ds would be that high of a percentage, but uh, I suppose there's there's maybe a couple things going on there. One, the fact that the Performance Model 3 is a lot more affordable now than it was even a year ago when I bought mine speaks to that. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a very, very good value for what you're getting. You know, you're getting a very quick car, uh, certainly relative to the competition in, in its class, for a very, very good price. Again, re- relative to other cars, other performance sedans that you could buy. And then the other th- part of it, I think, could be, uh, could be an effect of the survey sample. You know, the, the fact that enthusiasts like me or like you guys who are more likely to own a performance Model 3 are the same kinds of people that are more likely to go online and take Bloomberg survey. So uh, great stuff here, nevertheless. Fantastic job by Tom Randall and the Bloomberg team in putting this together. This this really, to me, provided just a lot of great and, and it's a comprehensive snapshot of where Tesla is and how they are perceived in 2019. I think you know that's something that here in the in the hardcore enthusiast bubble that we occupy as uh, as as Tesla enthusiasts, that's it's important to be able to see outside of that bubble. And the the good news is it's it's good news on the outside of the bubble, just like it's good news here on the inside of of the bubble as well. So uh, I can't wait to see this same kind of survey again in a year or two to see how things evolve and how things change. Just as as Tesla's brand awareness organically grows, as the Model Y gets out there, there's, there's going to be a, a lot more interesting surveys to be done here in the coming year, two years, etc. So good stuff. That is your week's Tesla news. Stick with me, though. Plenty more podcasts left to go. It's your phone calls coming up in the Ride the Lightning hotline right after this. This week, Ride the Lightning is brought to you by Tesmanian and their Model 3 soft cooler and floor mats. The Tesmanian soft cooler fits perfectly into the Model 3's rear trunk well or the Model X frunk. It holds up to 52 cans of beverages without ice packs or 30 to 40 with ice, holding temperature up to 48 hours with ice or the three included ice packs. The cooler has a heavy-duty nylon shell, sturdy closed-cell insulation, and is made with eco-friendly, non-toxic, odorless, and recyclable materials. 
Meanwhile, their custom-made Model 3 floor mats are sturdy and durable, 300% more temperature-resistant than normal PVC. They've got a deeply molded tread pattern that channels all spills, stains, dirt, mud, and snow away, and they're non-toxic, BPA-free, and 100% odorless. Order either or both today at testmanian.com. That's testmanian.com, T-E-S-M-A-N-I-A-N.com. Time for your calls on the Ride the Lightning hotline. If you've got a question, comment, or discussion topic as it pertains to the world of Tesla, call me. I invite you anytime, day or night, uh, because the calls just go into a, a little voicemail, basically. So you can call anytime you want. There are two easy ways that you can, you can do so. Either record your question using your smartphone's built-in voice recording software and email that file to me at teslapodcast at gmail.com or call the Ride the Lightning hotline and leave the message. It's a toll-free number and that number 1-888-989-8752. Again, 1-888-989-TSLA. Either way, uh, either way you choose to call in, please try to keep your call to 90 seconds or less, one minute and a half uh, if you don't mind, so I can get to as many calls each week as possible. By the way, if you know someone special with an upcoming birthday, anniversary, graduation, or some other special occasion, you can give them a unique gift of recorded voices from friends and family telling them why they're special. The recordings can be podcasted or put onto a keepsake. Visit lifeonrecord.com to learn more. Let's kick off with Steve from Wildwood, Missouri, following up on the FM radio issue that Blake from Toronto brought up last week. Steve, you're on the air. Hi, Ryan. This is Steve from Wildwood, Missouri, mid-range listener, first-time caller. I'm calling in response to your caller last week who had a problem with his FM radio. I had the same problem on my Model 3. It happened after a recent software update. I did an internet search and found that it's actually a fairly widespread problem. The most reliable solution seems to be to go to the safety and security menu and do a full power off of the car followed by a full reboot. That is to say, hold the brake pedal down and hit both scroll wheels. When the car came back online, the FM radio started working again and has continued to work since that time. I don't think it's an antenna issue. It seems to be a software glitch. I hope this helps your listeners. Love the podcast. Keep up the great work. Steve, that is extremely helpful, and hopefully that fixes the issue for Blake in Toronto and anyone else that may be experiencing it. In fact, I got a number of tweets and emails during the course of the week that said, oh, I am having the same problem. And, and so actually, I was emailing and, and tweeting the same solution from Steve out to people because I didn't, I didn't want anybody to have to wait uh, all week to hear it on the next episode. So it does seem to be something that is affecting uh, at least a decent number of folks. So I hope that helps everybody. And Steve, thank you very much for calling in. Neil from Ohio calling in uh, in response to something I said about the original Roadsters on a very recent podcast. Go ahead, Neil. Hey, Ryan. Uh, first, thanks for the podcast. Uh, Neil from Ohio. I've called two or three times, and we are actually the proud owners of two original Roadsters. We have uh, an early... Uh, standard Roadster and a uh, little bit later, uh, they're all early, but a little bit later Roadster Sport. Um, they've been amazing cars and a blast to own. Um, we got the Jerome Gillian uh, email the other day, and I actually went back and forth with him uh, just on my appreciation for their continued support for Roadster and asked a couple of questions about um, parts availability 
and uh, he was great and went back and forth with me personally uh, on those concerns and questions. So I just wanted to let you know, yes, you do have Roadster owner listeners, um, or at least one who has two. So thanks again. Take care. Bye. Neil, first of all, that is awesome. I'm very stoked that I do have Roadster owners out there in my audience. I heard from a few people, in fact, over the course of the week. Uh, Second, thank you very much for sharing this. The fact that you had a multi-email exchange with Jerome Guillen, who is almost as high up as it gets at Tesla, about a 10-year-old discontinued product that the company only made a few of, relatively speaking, just speaks to doing... Uh, at Tesla, what I said when I commented on this originally, which is them putting actions behind their words. And by the way, I don't describe the Roadster that way, you know, as a 10-year-old discontinued product. I'm not trying to be dismissive of it, but rather I say that to illustrate how great it is that Jerome took time out to have a conversation with you about your original Roadsters. I think that's wonderful. Neil, thank you very much once again for calling in. Gil from San Diego is up next. He wants to discuss the future of full self-driving. Neil, uh, pardon me, Gil, go ahead. Hey, Ryan. Gil from San Diego. Calling uh, on on an interesting issue I came up with about the future of self-driving in the Teslas, the way they're currently stocked. And and it goes like this. I was exiting an off-ramp recently in town here in San Diego, and, and it's a stop sign at the end. And you basically have to wait for traffic to clear. But the car is facing away from the traffic that's coming at you at a weird angle. So that the passenger side of the car is essentially the only thing facing um, the oncoming traffic. So I was trying to figure out what sensors the Tesla could use to determine whether or not it was safe to go out there. And I really had a hard time with it. I know there's a camera on the B-pillar, but that seems to sort of face forward and down. And then you've got Sonics on the side, but no radar. So I'm just curious what you think in terms of what the mechanics of that will be since um, Elon's you know, view of the world is that, that the car has all the hardware it needs uh, to, to do full self-driving. Uh, just a thought that came to me. Hope all's well, and thanks. Love the show. Gil, great to hear from you. It's been a little while. And I would say that, yes, that, that definitely sounds like a pretty tricky edge case. I would recommend taking a look at tesla.com slash autopilot. If you scroll down a bit on that page, you can see a really neat and I think useful illustration of exactly which cameras on the car see where and how far. And you will see if you take a look at that, that the car does have 360 degree coverage, though some of those degrees around the 360 have longer sight distances than others. But the gist of it is that generally speaking, the car can see 50 meters behind it, 80 meters to the sides, and between 150 and 250 meters in front of it. So if you picture that off-ramp you described again, I wonder if you now think the car will be able to see it better than you might have thought, or if it might still be an edge case, because make no mistake, there are and will be plenty of edge cases for full self-driving. I mean, it's just that's just the world we live in. They, they can't account for everything. So uh, we shall see how, how uh, FSD fares with those edge cases over time. Darren from D.C., also wants to talk about the subject of full self-driving. Go ahead, Darren. 
Hey, Ryan, this is Darren from Washington, D.C. Love what you're doing with the podcast. I have a quick question regarding full self-driving. My wife and I went ahead and put down a reservation for a full self-driving Model Y. We are super excited, but what made us pull the trigger now was the $1,000 price increase before November 1st. Something I didn't really think about, though, is this purchase of full self-driving only for software and not hardware? How do we know that customers who purchase full self-driving today are assured that they're on a cost-free path to level 5 autonomy? Will future hardware improvements that are needed for level 5 autonomy be retrofitted into older cars? I am willing to bet that the new wiring that is going into the Model Y has this idea in mind. Anyways, thanks so much for what you're doing with the Tesla community, and we cannot wait to be a part of it. First of all, Darren from DC is a fantastic radio caller name. Uh, Second of all, Darren, congratulations on your Model Y order. I hope that your wait is a relatively short one. Finally, I have to imagine that we are all in pretty good shape at this point. The full self-driving computer is needed, yes, and while that was not part of the original plan back when Hardware 2.0 launched, uh, that was uh, Tesla's first post-Mobileye effort, they developed the FSD computer as a drop-in replacement. And if you remember back to the autonomy day earlier this year, Elon mentioned that the next generation processor after the full self-driving computer is in the works now. I would imagine that it too will be a drop-in replacement. Quite frankly, Tesla literally can't afford to do it otherwise at this point. What with the fleet having grown so big and getting bigger by the day. Uh, In short, I think you will be good with your Model Y order. Thanks for calling in. Mark from New York is next and has a heating question about his Model 3. Go ahead, Mark. Hi, Ryan. Mark from New York here. Love the podcast. Love my Model 3. I do have a uh, question, almost a complaint, I guess, on the software uh, for the climate control. As it's getting colder here in the Northeast, I'm using the heat and the uh, heated seats in the morning before I go to work uh, quite a bit, getting it nice and toasty, and I love that. But uh, when I get in and sit down, put the seatbelt on and press the brake, you notice I notice that it uh, it all all the settings go back to what it was the last time I drove, which which is uh, a lot different than what I might want right now. Uh, yeah, I uh, I know a lot of Tesla people probably listen to this podcast. Maybe they somebody can offer an answer, or is it just a glitch? Uh, does it bother anybody else? I don't know. It drives me a little nuts in the morning. Uh, that'd be uh, that'd be great to find out. Anyway, uh, love the podcast. Look forward to it every Sunday morning when I bring my three king charles for a nice long walk and uh, listen to it so uh yeah keep up the great work uh see you next time bye mark welcome to the podcast uh you are not the first person to be annoyed by this and justifiably so by the way the current solution and admittedly this is a bit of a workaround is to have a separate profile maybe you call it winter or something uh, and that has, you would have that have a higher climate control temperature on it. Now, alternatively, or perhaps even in addition to that, you probably have received the 36.2.1 or later 
update by the time you hear this, because I know you did send in your call before the update pushed out wide. And that has got the scheduled departure charging setting. That you, There's also a, a checkbox on there that you can hit that will precondition the car as it's doing its scheduled charge uh, in the morning for exactly this kind of thing, you know, the, the first thing in the morning, chillier weather application. So I hope that helps. Thank you for calling in, Mark. Let me go now to my friend Ron in Nashville. Another frequent caller wants to talk about Smart Summon. Go ahead, Ron. Hey, Ryan. Ron from Nashville. Um, calling about Smart Summon. I have been playing with that feature quite a bit, um, mostly for fun to show people and give kids rides, etc. But um, I have used it once functionally when it was raining to come to a, where I was in a in dry part of the parking area. But I've noticed that the... Um, It'll give you its planned route, and I tried it in another parking lot, and the planned route was really bad, um, but it drew a line where it was going to go, and I'm wondering, and I actually didn't try it then, but I'm wondering if you can manually redraw the route you want it to go. Um, if, it, if it doesn't do that, uh, I, I'll give it a try uh, next time I do smartphone, but if it doesn't do that, Maybe that's a feature that um, could be implemented in the future, you know, based on what we see in our knowledge of the parking lot. Because some have one-way areas um, that may not be the short, that, you know, the actual distance without using the, uh, going against the one-way would be um, contrary to the actual route it should take. So anyway, love the show. Take care. Bye. Well, it turns out, Ron, that the community has figured out how to play with these, but it's a bit more complicated. So it seems that Tesla is using a, a software called OpenStreetMaps, which you can create an account for and then edit yourself. So this comes now, this next information comes via the Tesla Motors Club forums and specifically Tesla Motors Club member, uh, and I'm not sure, quite sure how this is pronounced, uh, Bijan, B-I-J-A-N offered a, uh, an overview here of, how to e of editing the maps in OpenStreetMaps. So they write, quote, create account, log in with your account, find the parking lot you want to edit, click edit, click line, click where you want the parking aisle to start, click along the path of the parking aisle, it will create line segments in the simplest case, you click once at each end of the aisle, uh, and when you're done, click on the beginning or end point to complete the path. On the left side where it says select feature type, start typing parking aisle, and then click on that when it appears. Save your changes. And noting as well, there is a tutorial when you sign up that shows you how to do paths, areas, and points of interest. So uh, I hope that is of use, and I trust that the community will help make these even better. Eddie from Phoenix is up next, calling in about tires. Let's talk tires. Go ahead, Eddie. Hi, Ryan. This is uh, Eddie from Phoenix calling in about your favorite subject as of late, uh, tires. Um, I have a standard range plus model three with about 10,000 miles on it. Um, and I went to discount tire to buy the tire insurance just before you did. And they said that the average life span of tires on, uh, Tesla's in general is about 20,000 miles. Um, I was wondering if you or anyone else in the community has found that to be accurate. Um, does it depend on 
how much you launch it, how much uh, watt hours per mile you average in uh, your drives, or um, what other factors tend to affect it. And if it is about 20,000 miles, um, have most of you that have replaced tires gone back with uh, Michelin, or have you guys used any other tires? I appreciate the call. Love the podcast. Bye-bye. Well, Eddie, from what I am reading and talking to people about uh, now that enough Model 3s have been out for long enough that we're starting to see people replacing their tires, it seems like the 18-inch tires are lasting between 20 and 30,000 miles, the 19s maybe 20 to 25,000, and 15 to 20,000 on the 20s. Now, those are very, very rough approximate, uh, pardon me, approximation and generalization numbers, of course, but at least those ballpark figures should be a semi-reasonable guideline for you. One thing to be aware of when you replace your tires, though, if you choose to get another brand for any reason, you know, they might, might be cheaper, they might have higher tread wear, you know, there's a, there's a lot of reasons you might choose a different tire, you know, better, uh, quieter ride or, or uh, you know, firmer grip, whatever it might be. That's totally okay, obviously, but just know that the OEM tires are probably, at least in what I'm seeing so far, the only ones that are confirmed to have the sound insulating foam inside them, which in our quiet electric cars, that can definitely make a difference in the in the ride quality, the not the not the physical quality, but the audio quality of the ride. So just an FYI on that for anybody as they are tire shopping. Dan from Toronto has a feature request along with his Performance Model 3. Go ahead, Dan. Hi, Ryan. This is Dan from Toronto, first-time caller and an owner of a Performance Model 3. I have a feature request that I wanted to discuss. I've had my car since January and love it. My wife has since also fallen in love with the car and would now like to replace her car with a Model 3, making us a two-Tesla household. In helping her purchase the car, I realized that there is currently no way to export our profile settings from my car and import them into her car. This would be especially ideal for seat and window settings so that they are consistent between the cars. I understand this feature is currently available in BMWs and also think would be an important feature to add, especially in the next few years when people begin to upgrade their cars. Have you heard anything about Tesla adding this feature? Thanks and love the podcast. Well, in fact, Dan, I have heard about this very thing, but admittedly, it's been a while. Elon replied to this exact suggestion from somebody on Twitter a while back I'm going to guess it's been at least a year, maybe two, and he had mentioned that it would be something that they would do eventually. And the nice part is they certainly have the tech, right? All the cars are connected to the mothership. So theoretically, if your driver profile was stored in your Tesla account and they added a place in the car settings menu where you could log into your account boom, you'd have all of your seating, steering wheel, side view mirror, and HVAC preferences in any Model 3 that that you were to hop in and drive. So I think this is something we will definitely get, particularly once the Model Y comes out and people start uh, being two Tesla households more and more. So maybe sooner, who knows, but I would think the Y could be a a good uh, impetus for this. Hopefully it's somewhere on Tesla's software feature roadmap and not too far down their priority list. 
Dan, thank you for calling in. Two more calls this week. Let's go next to Robert in Texas. Wants to talk about the power increase that rolled out in the most recent big update. Robert, you're on the air. Hey, Ryan, it's Robert from Texas. I've got a question about the power increase in the latest software update from Tesla. Um, The Model 3 is supposed to increase uh, 5% and the X and S by 3%. And I just got a question for you. My Model S, which is a 2.5 hardware, has been updated to 2019.36.2.1, which is the latest. And there's no mention at all of power increase on there. There is mention of some of the other features that have been talked about. And secondly, my Model X, which is Autopilot 1.0, uh, which is on a lower software, but it is the latest available for that model, 2019.32.12.7, uh, also has had no mention of power. And I'm just wondering, is that power increase only for Model 3s, or is it only for 3.0, uh, or am I missing something? Um, and it's going to come in a later software update. Uh, be great to know if you know something. Thank you. Bye. Robert, my apologies. I should have mentioned this. Maybe I hadn't gotten the confirmation on it yet, but the power increase is for all Model 3s, but it's only for the newer Raven S's and X's. So basically any S or X built since about April. So that's going to, of course, mean the overwhelming majority of the S and X fleet will not get a power increase. Sorry to be the bearer of bad news on that. Kaz from San Diego is our final caller this week, last but certainly not least. And he's got a uh, just a friendly reminder for everybody out there. Go ahead, Kaz. Hey, Ryan. This is Kaz out here in San Diego. Actually, I have a Fashion Valley Supercharger at the moment. Um, just heard your latest episode. Loved it. I'm excited for the truck. Finally get to see it the day after my birthday, which is awesome. I'm actually calling, though, on a a note that I don't intend to be negative, more so a reminder of charging etiquette or something that goes along with it, is to remember that we need to keep our stations clean. I see quite often here in Fashion Valley just things left by the charging stations, things left in the parking spots, be them Starbucks, cups, just napkins, even rags that people are probably using to wipe their windows. We just got to remember to pick up after ourselves. We don't want to leave a bad reputation of a, you know, dirty area when we're in these clean vehicles. Just something to think about, you know, as we're going forward to just take care of our trash. Let's keep it spotless, guys. Cause I couldn't agree with you more. I know not every supercharger has trash cans. And for instance, the, the rooftop 40 stall daily city one uh, here in the Bay area didn't for a while, but it, thankfully it does now. But even if there isn't a trash can, you know, you can always put your trash in your trunk or the trunk well or the frunk until you get to a spot wherever you're going that does have proper waste disposal. You know, I'm careful here. I don't want to sound too preachy or too much like a dad because that's not my job. I'm just here to be enthusiastic about Tesla. But, you know, I, I wanted to play this because to me, it's It's really just all about the same thing that I talk about a lot on this podcast, which is that we make the Tesla community good or bad. I mean, that's that's the bottom line. It's it's awesome because of us, but it can also not be awesome because of us if we're not careful. So let's make it good. Let's make it good. Thanks to everybody that called in this week. Again, if you'd like to talk, uh, I I expect 
There'll be a lot of callers, a lot of reactions to the Cybertruck next week. So uh, again, you've got the information from the top of this segment on how to call in. It's nice and easy. So I expect now next week's show, I will probably, my plan is to, to make it as normal of a show as possible, but you know, I want to do as much as I can. I'm going to be bringing the recorder to uh, the design studio, to the event. So I, I'm sort of not quite sure how next week's show will go. I will warn you, uh, I, my hope is to do phone calls as usual next week, but I will probably not be able to, to, to get to them after the, the unveiling in time for next week's show because the event is going to be late Thursday night. I fly home Friday, and then I've got to do the podcast. So it's going to be a pretty tight turnaround. But in any case, keep your calls coming. There's always plenty to talk about. And then, so if we don't, if I don't do a, a Ride the Lightning Hotline segment that's just full of cyber truck reactions on next week's show, we'll get to that the following week. So that's the nice thing. We, there's a podcast every week. There's always plenty of time to talk about stuff. All right, stick with me. I'm going to be right back with your pro tip of the week. And then I also wanted to tell you about, I went out and tested the new power increase on my Performance Model 3, as well as the new uh, hold mode as well. Stay tuned for that right after this. All right, this is the part of the podcast where I tell you what I've been up to in my car, which I have named the Spirit of Adventure. And well, I got to test out the new 5% power increase for the Model 3s, and I took the car out with a, uh, in this case, it was an 80, what did I have? I think it was an 87% state of charge. Yeah, that was it. 87%, so not quite as high as I would have liked to. I might have to try it again with a 95 plus percent charge, but 87% charge in pretty fair weather, dry daytime, and I took it out to my secret little spot where I can go and safely uh, throw the car around a little bit, and I uh, used the Draggy, which is, so the D-R-A-G-Y, it's a little a little dongle with, that has a, a, an app companion for your smartphone. I ordered mine off of Amazon, it's 150 bucks, and it will, it will use GPS and uh, I think also the accelerometer in your phone, I believe, to pretty accurately measure zero to 60 times, eight, eighth of a mile runs, quarter mile runs. And uh, yeah, so I took it out. And now previously, I had been getting 3.4 seconds off of the, from the first power update, 3.4 seconds, zero to 60 without a rollout. And with a rollout, it was doing 3.3 seconds the one foot rollout, which is by the way, how Tesla measures. So with the power increase, I was ripping off mostly flow 3.4 second runs, which is 3.2 with a one foot rollout, which by the way is how Tesla measures. But my best run, so the car did it, uh, and, and it was a verified run because Draggy actually can no elevation, so and it, and it will invalidate any run that's not on flat ground. So I got a verified run, flat ground. I did 3.36 seconds without a rollout. And then, so again, if you if you look at the rollout, one foot rollout time, again, that's how Tesla measures, 3.15 seconds. So 
I was super impressed by that. That's so cool. I will say, <laughs> to, to temper my, you know, the excitement a little bit, I couldn't feel the difference. I did, it did not, I did not perceive it any differently, but the, the numbers don't lie. And boy, 3.15 second zero to 60 is, is pretty impressive. Now to just sort of put that in perspective, my car, since I bought it, has picked up, meaning, or I should say shaved off two tenths of a second in zero to 60 mile an hour acceleration time for free, by the way, zero cost. Think about that for a moment. And not only just how cool that is on its own, but how unfathomable, and I mean literally unfathomable, that would be uh, just 10 years ago. Not that, not that engine upgrades aren't possible. You know, you, you, could, you could make, uh, you know, ECU chip changes. You could supercharge, a, you know, a gas car, turbo, whatever. But over the air, downloaded in your garage for free, I've, I've gone from 3.5 seconds with no rollout when I bought the car to now 3.3 seconds. And then, you know, you, you get the rollouts going. I'm down to 3.15 seconds. That's just unbelievable. So much fun. Gotta love this car. Gotta love this company. That this is why that's why I do a podcast. Look at this stuff. It's so much fun. They 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 do this for free. They could easily, like Tesla could monetize this. They could they could say, hey, we've we've just we've decided or we've figured out a way that we can give you, you know, a five percent of that they've done it twice. So it's like, yeah, we can give you, you know, uh seven percent power boost all all up, you know, all told. You know, but it'll 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 cost you five hundred dollars. It's, it's 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 like a it's like DLC for your car, paid DLC. It's a microtransaction, and there are people, plenty of people, performance enthusiasts that would pay it, and it could be a revenue stream for Tesla. But no, they just roll it out for free to the whole fleet. I love it. Now the other big new feature, day to day feature, that was included in the in the latest update is hold mode. AKA single pedal driving. I turned it on, tried it out, and boy, you can definitely feel a difference. I mean, it's it is when you let your foot off, you can really feel the car slowing down pretty good and then as you're real as you're coming close to a stop, you can feel the car just come up, stop, and then the hold mode sets in, the brakes grab at that point. And yeah, it works real well. You can you can drive around barely hitting the brake pedal at all, even less so than on than on the standard regen that that all Teslas have had uh, since they all debuted. But yeah, the hold mode is interesting. Now for me, it ended up I have turned it off for one reason. So you know, I, I've I think complained <laughs> politely complained. Uh, plenty of times over over the years of doing this podcast, I have an extremely tight garage door opening, and I'm on a hill. It's a you know the driveway. It's it's a weird situation. The point is, I have to make a lot of very small, precise, delicate movements to just make sure I'm safely wiggling my way in and out of my garage without scraping the mirror or the or the side of the car along the garage. That's the last thing I want to do. So, you know, I'm, I'm doing a lot of just very light touches to the pedal to just move it a little bit, little bit. And with this hold mode, 
When you do that, the car basically wants to stop. It wants to stop itself. So, you know, I'm just trying to move it just, just a little bit, just a little bit, and it just grabs and it just stops. And I actually just, I want a little bit more rolling inertia to, you know, I, I, I don't want as much stopping to go on, even though I'm, you know, I'm being slow and delicate. So I don't know if I'm explaining this well, but the point is it, it just became a little too aggravating getting in and out of my garage. It's totally great out on the road. It works really well. I liked it just fine. In fact, while I, I, I had it on while I was out doing these, uh, zero to 60 runs off the power with the power update, but yeah, I just decided to turn it off. Now, if, if it, there was a setting at some point to, to, uh, geofence it the way that Homelink works and the way that the folding mirrors can, and, and on the S and the X, the air suspension can be geotagged to, to raise or lower at certain sp- specific places. If I could, if I could have the hold mode turn off when I'm by my house and turn back on when I get away from my house, I would happily do that. But I, I don't expect anybody else but me needs that kind of, that kind of, uh, you know, option. So I don't expect to get that anytime soon, but it does work really well. Give it a try if you have not already, and you might find that, uh, that you super, super like it. Okay. Pro tip of the week before I get out of here, Eric from Boston, he has a, uh, a tip that I, I hope that everybody might already know this, but I'm going to play it just because it's a it's a really simple but super, super useful day-to-day tip. Go ahead, Eric. Hey, Ryan. Uh, Eric from Boston. Giving you a call. First time, long time. Just uh, had a pro tip for you. This is actually coming from a pro tip, so I don't know if that's a first a pro tip from a pro tip, but... Uh, a few months ago, there was a pro tip regarding turning off the HVAC by long pressing on the fan icon, which I used extensively. But one thing that I noted is the to turn it back on is you do not have to long press on the fan icon. You can actually hit either directional arrow on the uh, temperature and it will turn the HVAC, HVAC back on without changing the temperature. It actually just turns the HVAC on and then you can change it from there. So, hope that helps. Eric, thank you for your call. I use this every day, but I guess I maybe I never said it on the show. I'm not even if I did, it was probably so long ago that there are plenty of new listeners now that have never heard it. So thank you for this one. It is another nice little shortcut since you don't have to have the the big HVAC menu come up every single time you want to get your AC going, which is uh, what happens if you tap that fan icon. Obviously, if you've got a pro tip of the week, something that you've learned about your car that may not be super obvious or detailed in the manual, there the, these cars are riddled with all sorts of neat little shortcuts and things. So send it in, and you just you call in with it the same way that you send in a ride the lightning phone call, either the, you know, using your smartphone's voice recording software and sending that in via email or by calling and leaving a message on the ride the lightning hotline. All right, before I go, I want to remind you that if you are in need of a wireless charging pad and or 
a USB hub to add some extra USB ports to your Model 3. Jada has got you covered. I'm super happy with my with both of those products, in fact. So that is uh, what's it's a hundred bucks for the wireless charging pad, but you know you'll only ever buy it once for the life of the car, and the USB hub is seventy if I remember correctly. But same thing, you'll only ever need it once. So if you want to grab either of those, I unfortunately don't have a discount for you, but I would sincerely appreciate it if you would use my referral link, which will throw a couple bucks my way should you decide to purchase as a, basically as Jada's way of thanking me for yeah, having you guys uh, find out about them via the show. So the link is getjada.com slash R-E-F slash eight, and Jada is spelled J-E-D-A. Meanwhile, Immaculate Reflections, wonderful detailer, Jeff, he's just an, a wonderful human and, and a phenomenal detailer, does great work on cars. I mentioned this last week. He has got an absolutely just pretty crazy Black Friday deal going on uh, full body paint protection film. So basically, he's doing a limited number of these. It's I guess it's uh, not so much time limited as first come first serve. So there are there are again a limited number of slots available for this. He's he's offering a very substantial discount if you do paint protection film over the whole car. You can contact him for more info. Find the contact info on the website, irdetailing.com is the, the place to go right there. In addition, you know, if you if you don't want to do the whole car, still still got the hundred dollar off discount going for any ceramic coating package or partial paint protection film package, which of course would most likely be the front of your car, was probably what you would be doing if you're not doing the whole thing. Uh, so yeah, there's that. AbstractOcean.com, meanwhile, has plenty of excellent Tesla accessories, the tempered glass screen protectors, the uh, center console wraps to you know change the look, change the, the texture that's going on there, get rid of that very scratch-prone, fingerprint-prone piano black. So you can take a look at everything they've got at AbstractOcean.com and use the coupon code RTLPODCAST all one word, RTL podcast at checkout, and, and that will get you 15% off of your very first order with them. I think that is just about everything. As I said, I gave you my email address, teslapodcast at gmail.com. Uh, oh, there's the Patreon as well. If you feel either now or at any point, uh, hopefully at some point in the future, you feel that I have earned your support via Patreon. Uh, you can find all the information about what the tiers are and, and what little perks you get in return on my Patreon page, which is patreon.com slash teslapodcast. Patreon is spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Believe me, every little bit helps. That's It all adds up and it uh, really makes a difference in my life. So if that's a thing you see fit to doing, I would sincerely appreciate you at least taking a look over there. I think that'll do it. Let me say thank you to the Patreon producers. These are the folks who whose perks include getting their name read off each and every week. I want to say thank you and hello to the newest Patreon producer, uh, Chase Cabanillas. Welcome, Chase. Thank you so much for your support. 
In addition, we've got Pete White, Wolfgang Obergen, George Cassioppo, David Brander, Jonathan Wales, Alexi Heft, Logan Willis, Michael Lester, Robert Maracle, Jason Chalukas, Joe Edgel, Tim Hyde, Lars Hoffman, Lawton from Chicago, Peter Chalet, Rome Strack, David Vakil, Ulrich Lassa, Luke A., Eric Randolph, David Nondahl, Gabriel Salais, Jerry and Mary Smith, Brian Hope, Bill Royko, Lyle Austin, Joel Sapp, Dory and Steve Guberman, Michael Waddell, Daniel Grummer, Jeremy, Tesla Owners Taiwan, Jeremy Harris, Rob Brewer, who, by the way, Rob, hello. I got to meet Rob. He was in town. He was nice enough to reach out and said, hey, I'm in San Francisco. would love to meet up. We were able to do that. Had a wonderful conversation with Rob. What a nice guy. Ron Lee, Larry Lynch, Chris Konesnik, John Cody, Matthew Wright, Aaron Appleby, Charlie Gillespie, Kaz Barnes, Neil Weaver, David Perella, Sunil Joseph, Dennis Peak, Scott Gillis, Will Stedman, Evie Tricity UK, Stig Mickey Jensen, and Jeff Angwin. Thank you all so very much for your continued support on Patreon. If you don't already subscribe to the podcast, you can do so for free. That's not a money thing at all. Uh, it simply means, as I always remind you, that the podcast will download to you every time there's a new episode, which is, of course, every Sunday at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific, rather than you having to remember, oh, yeah, it's time to go download the new podcast. So subscribe on your preferred platform if you do not do so already. Those uh, The platforms I'm on are most of the major ones, iTunes slash Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Tune in, which is in your car. Uh, in fact, uh, one of the questions I asked Rob Brewer when I met him, I said, you know, uh, I'm always curious when I get to meet listeners in real life, how did you find the podcast? And he said he found it in his car. He was searching around for Tesla podcasts in his Tesla and found me on there. So that was really cool to hear. I'm also on Spotify and then uh, YouTube, again, audio only. It's just the audio feed, same thing as uh, you'd get on a, on a podcast or in the car. You can find me on YouTube, along with, remember I, I mentioned at the top, the uh, unboxing that I did of the Roadster diecast model. So if you'd like to see that, that's on my YouTube page as well. The easiest way to find it is just search, go on YouTube and search Ride the Lightning Tesla Podcast, and you should find me there. <sighs> All right, it's been a long show. I got to get out of here. Get ready for the Cybertruck event. I cannot wait to see this vehicle I have no interest in buying it at this time, <laughs> but I'm so curious about it. It, it, it. Only Elon could get people who aren't normally truck people fired up about a truck, because I am not normally a truck person, I will tell you. But anyway, so stay tuned. Again, I will have uh, just live, not, not live, obviously, but I will have uh, man on the street coverage from there. Uh, first-hand impressions of this thing. Hopefully, I'll get to ride in it briefly in the test ride. So don't miss next week's episode. It should be a super fun one. Until then, for a curled-up, adorable, sleeping Daisy the Boxer puppy, I'm Ryan McCaffrey. Happy electric motoring, my friends, and I'll see you next week. I mean, I think a Tesla 
is the most fun thing you could possibly buy ever. That's what it's meant to be. Our goal is to make... It's, it's not exactly a car. It's actually a thing to maximize enjoyment. It's maximum fun. 